Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple reminder about the benefits of seeking the Messiah. And so they came from the east and they came to Jerusalem, a journey probably of 700 to 1,000 miles. The trip was worth it. You know why? Because they expected to find something when they got there. Some of you may come to church Sunday after Sunday never expecting to find anything. Do my Christian duty. Do you find when you come? Do you seek Jesus? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Today, there are many seeking a name in either fame, fortune, or politics. What's your true ambition in life? Now, there's nothing wrong with being successful, but there's one type of success that can't be bought or learned in school. Today, Pastor Xavier helps us seek that which is most beneficial. Let's listen. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I've entitled the message, Wise Men Still Seek Him. There are three types of seekers. First, a sincere seeker, representative of the wise men. Then you have the self-centered seeker, representative of Herod. And then you have the sound theology seeker, representative of the chief priest and the scribes. Let's look at the sound theology seekers first, and we'll work our way back. And first notice in verse 4, that they are the ones who have to be sought out always. Herod, he says, when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together to inquire of them. Here they were in Jerusalem. These guys were the chief priests. These guys were the ones who had all the information down. They were the chiefs of ceremony. They were the ones that possessed truth, yet they were sitting on the truth and they were not seeking it actually took foreigners and Gentiles to ask the question that they would be sought out by the king, Herod. There are people who are always being taught, people who are seeking truth for fact's sake, not for transformation's sake. And so because you and I can quote theological facts and truth in Scripture, means absolutely nothing if it doesn't do something to me. The Word must cut through my life. The Word must transform this wretched individual. It demands change. It settles for nothing but change. But not those theological seekers. They seek facts, but never transformation. And that's the deception of sin and the deception of the enemy who would love to keep you just the way you are. But God loves you too much. He wants to change you. The second individual is a self-centered seeker, representative of Herod. Remember, Herod um, was a madman. And he would plot to kill anybody who would he would think was plotting to take his throne. Here's a self-centered person. I rule. Nobody else can rule my life. Nobody can tell me what to do. And I'm not going to budge. I'm in it for myself and no one else. Notice in verse 4, 
that they seek out biblical truth for self-gain. As he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. The title Christ means the anointed or the equivalent of the Hebrew Messiah. Herod wanted to make sure of remaining on his throne. You see, he was seeking out biblical truth for self-gain. Now, there are people who are just seeking out biblical truth for self-gain. They've heard that, you know, if you give one, you get ten back. They hear that if you just confess certain things positively, it's going to come to pass and you're going to get rich. That if you hang out with these kind of people, there's a benefit. You know, I'm a creep, but I hang out with godly people and they're Christians and they're going to be benevolent and they're going to meet all my needs. Self-gain. And that's why we are to be wise as we walk in the body because not everybody that comes into the church is sincere in seeking God, nor is everybody striving for godliness. Many people are self-centered. It says, Herod, when he had secretly called his wise men, or the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Herod was seeking information to destroy the Christ child. You get that passage in verses 16 through 18 because he wanted to remain on the throne. You see, they're real diligent students when it comes for self-gain. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. They cover their motives and actions of hypocrisy and deceit by fraudulent worship. Be careful of the spiritual fraud who is there only for self-centered seeking. Their concern is not about you, about anybody else, but itself. Over and over again. The third seeker is a sincere seeker. Representative by the wise men. Notice in verse 1, they came after the birth of Jesus in the days of Herod. Because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians says. You want to be wise, you seek the person that is personified as wisdom in the Proverbs, Jesus Christ. The wisdom of God is wisdom for all times, for all situations. It is consistent. It is lasting. The wise men here, the word is magos. The root word is traced back to an Iranian word meaning great. And it's come to, through the etymological uh, development of words because they change. It's usually associated with magic, uh, with sorcery, soothsaying, divination. But these wise men, we, we don't know how many there were, so throw your Christmas cards away. Um, I think that they say three because of the three gifts, but it never tells us. It, we also uh, have the aspect of kings, but the Bible never tells us they were kings. Most likely they came from Media. Persia was a dual empire. We know that they were present in the Babylonian kingdom as Daniel was present, you remember Nebuchadnezzar commanded them to interpret his dream. They could not. Then he was going to just execute all of them. And so they came from the east and they came to Jerusalem. 
verse 1 says. A journey probably of 700 to 1,000 miles. There are some of you who will not even get out of bed enough time. If the only service was 7 o'clock, you'd never come to church. These guys didn't care how far they had to go. The trip was worth it. You know why? Because they expected to find something when they got there. Some of you may come to church Sunday after Sunday never expecting to find anything. You just come. Oh well, it is Sunday. What the heck? Got to get up. Do my Christian duty. Do you find when you come? Do you seek Jesus? Does He speak to your heart? Do you walk out a different person than when you walked in? But notice they said that they came seeking the king of the Jews there in verse 2. They sought a person, not a system or philosophy. Make sure that you are seeking a person, the person of Jesus Christ, and not just a system or a philosophy. Make sure that you're walking hand in hand with the person who can forgive you of your sin, with the person who can direct you for life, with the person that can shepherd your life. That's important. God will use teachers, pastors, the various gifts. But the ultimate head is Jesus Christ. That's the one we seek. Anything else is idolatry. Absolutely. Notice they came because they saw his star from the east, verse 2 says. Very specific. Balaam the prophet, who was rebuked by his jackass, prophesied about the star that was to come out of Judah in Numbers 24, 17. It was in the area of Mesopotamia where Abraham had come from. So the people in that region were familiar with Abraham and probably with much of the scriptures through Abraham because Abraham was a faithful witness. Daniel was equally a faithful witness and he had prophesied about the Messiah. And remember, he was under the Babylonian kingdom. Then Medo-Persia came in and overtook it. And so they were aware. Doesn't mean they believed, but they were aware. But here you have these wise men, whatever number they were, and I don't think it was limited, as I said, to three. Maybe it was a whole caravan, 50, 100, 1,000. It was enough to get Herod all upset. But remember that the minor prophets also, especially after the Babylonian captivity, as we have studied them, they declared many prophecies about the Messiah and the kingdom to come. They knew. You know, it's like uh, the world doesn't believe in Jesus or the scriptures, and yet when something's going on or, or, or they're doing something, they'll quote a scripture and say, hey, you know, and the Bible says this. And, and, and it kind of fits good what's going on, but they don't really believe it. But they're aware of it. They came seeking his star. Therefore, it wasn't idolatry because it was the person they were seeking, not the star. You see, you got to make sure that you're seeking the person, not what he can give you. Notice that they were led by God to a greater truth out of sincere seeking. Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star that they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Apparently, the star disappeared, and that's why they went and inquired in Jerusalem. I believe by the hand of God. 
And yet all of a sudden, here this star appears again. And notice that in their sincere seeking, God led them again to Bethlehem. Now, not to lead them to Bethlehem because they had already inquired and known it was Bethlehem. They knew the way over there. But where exactly the child was, the star abode there. You see, it's not sufficient to say, well, he's out there somewhere. You've got to know exactly where he's at. You can't say, well, you know, God, God's there are many, and it doesn't matter which way you get to heaven. I mean, there's all many ways to heaven. No, there isn't. There's one road to heaven. If you miss that one road, you've missed it. You come and ask me how to get to LAX. I said, don't worry about it. Get on any freeway. You'll get there. You say, sure, thanks. You go to the next guy. Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple reminder about the benefits of seeking the Messiah. And so they came from the east and they came to Jerusalem, a journey probably of 700 to 1,000 miles. The trip was worth it. You know why? Because they expected to find something when they got there. Some of you may come to church. And so it stood over where the child was. Notice that because of, of sincere seeking, God was faithful to lead them. If you are a sincere seeker, God will take you step by step into the illuminating light of the scriptures. And as he opens those scriptures up, that word is going to transform you. It's going to drive you closer to Jesus. You're going to become more like him. You're never going to become perfect. So throw that out of your mind. But you're going to become less like you. That's better. Okay? You're going to become less like you. That's good news. Because God doesn't like the way you are. Nor does he like the way I am. But as I said before, he does love us. And that's why he doesn't want us to stay the same. He'll press you forward. If you are sincere, he will take you from step to step. And what seem to be burdens, God will make them stepping stones. Oh, Laura! And as you abide and you seek, you say, oh, I can use this as a stepping stone. Thanks, Lord. You move on. And you're becoming more like Jesus and less like you. Notice the response of a sincere seeker in verse 10. They rejoice over the direction as well as the revelation of the Christ child. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Three superlatives. Rejoice with exceedingly great joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit of agape love. You can't work that up. Too many times we're like spiritual cheerleaders, get in the congregation, oh, oh, and you feel real good in here and all that, and you walk out to the parking lot, Back to the same. It's got to be a genuine work of the Spirit of God in your heart and not some guy just leading you into spiritual worship and getting you all worked up in a sweat and, oh, just raise your hand to the Lord and let's just, you know, and you're all, and you're praising God and all that and that's good. But God would rather have you to live in inspiration rather than perspiration. You know what I mean? I mean, he'd love you to be under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, which is a perfect gentleman. He's not the author of confusion. He's not going to have you freak out or anything. But he's going to reveal to you the things that need to be taken care of. And you know what those are, and so do I, in my life. And as a sincere seeker, God takes care of it. We give unto him. We let him be 
the king and the throne of our lives. And we rejoice. Sometimes we rejoice with tears, don't we? But we rejoice, don't we? <laughs> it hurts, but we know it'll be better after we're healed. It hurts to be operated. You have stones. Doctors got to hurt you before you feel better. But you know, if, if you don't get cut, you're not going to be around. And so you submit yourself to the surgeon's knife for the sake of healing. And so with Jesus Christ. Notice that they were true to their intent once God revealed the Christ child in verse 11. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures or their coffers, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Once God directed them to the Christ child, they were true to their intent at God's ultimate revelation. One, they worshipped him. They prostrated themselves as an action of worth for the one whom they were prostrating themselves before. In meaning that they were nothing before him and that he deserved all reverence and worship. How do you feel about Jesus? Do you prostrate yourself before him? Inwardly. I'm not talking about outwardly. You can be like that little kid who's standing at home and his dad says, sit down. You know, he's just got in his teens. He says, I'm not going to sit down. He says, you better sit down. The kid says, I'm not going to sit down. The dad says, you better sit down before I knock you down. Very slowly, the child just slips down into the chair. And he turns to the dad and says, you know, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. Worship. Do you worship Jesus from your heart? I'm more interested in the position and the posture of your heart than your physical posture. And so is He. Though at times it will take on physical forms. Have you ever had a neat time with the Lord where you're just prostrate, you're just having a good time with the Lord, you just go to prayer and reading the Word and, and you just spend some time with the Lord and you just, Lord just, it's just neat. You're driving down the freeway and you just, you know, you're, you can't lay down, you're driving, but man, you're, your heart is prostrated, you're just worshiping, it's just neat. People walk by and they, they're driving by and they see they think you're kind of crazy and you're just having a neat time. But don't you think they're crazy when you're driving down the freeway when these guys has the stereo blast at full blast and the car's bouncing down the freeway and the guy's going, you ever see these guys on stop sign or something? I mean, crazy. And yet they'll look over and maybe you have tears coming down or maybe you're just worshiping. You just, you know, and they say, guys out to lunch or something. Gold. They gave the best of what they had. That's evidence of true worship. What do you withhold from Jesus? And please don't associate it with finances only. 
But what is it that you withhold from Jesus? Do you give him your all? Does he truly possess you? If he does, he possesses all that you have. Nothing is yours. All is on loan. You possess nothing. It's all his. Gold for a king. Speaking of deity. Purity. Frankincense for a priest. Sacrificial service. Incense. Myrrh for the prophet that was to be killed. Jesus was the ultimate prophet prophesied in Deuteronomy 18.15. Moses says, I will raise up a prophet unto myself and, you will, and God will require every word that he says at your hand. And that's why they asked John the Baptist, are you Elijah? Are you that prophet? It's embalming substance for burial. And so here you have the king that was to be our high priest that prophesied his own death for our sake. And they worshipped him. They worshipped him. Where? In the manger? Throw away your Christmas cards again. In the house. After his birth, verse 1 said, we don't know how long a time. We know that Herod, when he went to kill the infants, it was from two years down. But Herod was kind of a lunatic and a real extreme, so he just wanted to make sure he could have enough room that he doesn't miss his mark. Probably about some months, maybe even a year, but we're not sure. Speculation. Your opinion is as good as mine. But it was not in the manger. They were in a house. And this is where they came. And please notice, they did not worship Mary. They worshiped Jesus. Mary was the blessed mother of our Lord, and we should honor her and thank God for her. But she was a sinner as you and I needing salvation. Read Luke chapter 1 and 2. When Mary gives on the song there of thanksgiving, she acknowledges her own need of a Savior. Do not worship Mary or anything else. Worship Jesus. He was in the house. One last thing with sincere seekers, it's in verse 12. They depend on God alone, having found the Messiah. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. What other way? God's way. No longer do they return back to Herod to trust in the arm of flesh. No longer do they go back to the priests or the scribes, but they had their ear tuned to God alone. So you have to make sure you depend totally on the Scriptures. Have your ear tuned to Jesus. If you're a child of God, the Spirit of God is in you. He's able to speak to you, direct you, and guide you. It really isn't that difficult. If you can read English. Jesus didn't speak very big words. They're very simple, basic words. He didn't get into big old philosophical issues or anything. He just said, hey, listen, if you're... If you're a doer, your house is on the rock. He who has an ear, let him hear. Do as they say, but don't do as they do. Real simple things. Little children can understand those things. You need to tune your ear to Jesus. What kind of seeker are you? Sound theology seeker? Just information? 
Or maybe you're a self-centered seeker, which you can get it for yourself. How's it going to benefit you? Hopefully you are a sincere seeker. And if you are, then you're a wise man. And wise men still seek Him today. How about you? Won't you seek Him? He's waiting. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about the path to true wisdom. And you can request a copy of today's encouraging study called Wise Men Seek Him. As always, it's available on CD for just $4. And this is one message you'll want to share with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. So the title to ask for once again is Wise Men Seek Him. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. No matter who has hurt you, there's only one person who's keeping you from God. Find out who when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com